Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us at Gadsden First Methodist Church. I have some big announcements. Uh, We are going to be collecting uh, for the next couple of weeks for Stripland Elementary. It's our focus of the month. Uh, We are going to be collecting hand sanitizer refill bottles, uh, pump hand soap, and listen to this one, praise band, disinfectant wipes. If somebody brings a disinfectant, disinfectant wipes for Stripland Elementary, they get the prize. Those are so hard to find, right? If you find those, you get the prize. Anyway, you can drop those off outside the Chestnut Street entrance Thursday from 11 to 1. You can do that this Thursday, the 13th, or on the 20th. Again, that's from 11 to 1, those two Thursdays. Or you can drop it off during Thursday worship, which is so much fun, isn't it, Pastor Sam? Thursday worship is awesome. Uh, And we're also going to have Teacher of the Month, again, at Striplin. Uh, So if you want to donate a financial contribution so we can continue to do the Teacher of the Month, you can do that as well. Uh, And this is a really big announcement. So it's time for the Olympics! So, this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, anybody that's in 6th grade to 12th grade, we are having the Social Distancing Olympics. Uh, Teenagers are going to be spread out, and it's going to be our youth and Christ Central Youth, and everybody can spread out. And all the games are going to be social distancing games, but the competitions are intense. Jay, I think kids from Gadsden first will win, don't you? Every time. Every time. So you don't want to miss the social distancing Olympics. Parents are welcome to come too. You'll have a great time. Um, Listen, there's so much cool things going on here. Sunday school, there's virtual options that you want to connect with. Uh, Sam has a Bible study on Wednesday nights, and it's awesome. Uh, And don't forget, there's lots of ways to stay connected, so stay connected. Um, Let's pray this morning before we worship. Loving God, we are so thankful uh, that we get to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. I pray right now that you will calm our hearts and help us to focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Spread, 
Every fear has 
Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us today, and um, I'm glad that it makes me feel good when you put something in the comments and say good morning and let us know that you're worshiping with us online. Uh, it makes us feel good, doesn't it, Pastor Andy? Yes. It makes us feel great, and uh, we love our praise band, and we, we're so glad that we get to worship with you like this. If there's anything that we've learned over the last five months is that the church is not a building. The church is the people of God, and we continue to worship. We continue to be in missions, as Pastor Andy announced earlier. We're, we're, uh, our missions emphasis this month is our adopted schools, Stripland Elementary, we want to show them love. We want to show support to the students and the teachers and to the administrators. Next week, uh, Principal uh, Ash is going to be here, and he's going to say a few words about uh, Stripland Elementary. So we're, um, we're continuing to do ministry. We're continuing to worship. We're continuing to study and, and learn how to be better disciples together, and we're glad that you're on the journey with us. We're glad for your support. If you, uh, This is just your reminder to... Continue to support your church by, by giving of your tithes and offerings. Do, you can do it online, do it on our website, do it on our app. You can mail it in, you can drop it by. Uh, we, we need your support and we're grateful for that. I want to ask you now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, to just kind of take a deep breath, to just pause for a moment and to join me as we pray together. Gracious God, as we come together today, some of us are weary. We're weary with all the quarantine stuff. We're weary of the changes. We're uncertain about how things are going to work for our kids as school starts back up. We're stressed a little bit, Lord, and we need your help. We need strength. We need courage. We need, Lord, your forgiveness because sometimes our, our tempers fly off and we say things we can't take back and sometimes we do things we wish we could undo God we receive your forgiveness we receive your healing right now because you've already offered it to us and God the burdens that we carry the people that we're worried about the people who are grieving right now and the people who are struggling with with grave illnesses right now and the people who are just depressed right now we lift all of those up to you because we know that you love us and we know that we're your children and we know that you, we want your will to be done in our lives and in the lives of those um, that we love. Pour out your grace upon our leaders, Lord, our community, our state and local leaders, our national and our world leaders. Pour out your grace upon us, Father, on the scientists and the and the disease specialists who are working on a vaccine for this pandemic. Pour out your grace on us as we worship together today. And Lord, thank you for those who are giving even now. Uh, bless the gift and bless the giver. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. No point of reference 
spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred million galaxies are born. The stars are made to worship so alive. See your heart in everything you make. Every burning star is Oh, 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 oh,
Well, don't you wish that sometimes you could just hit a reset button? I don't know about y'all, but I wish I could reset the whole year of 2020 so far. That's what we're talking about in the month of August. That's our theme for, um, for these, this month's sermons is reset. And last week, Pastor Andy talked about how we can reset our priorities. How important is that? And I hope that you've been working on that. He gave us some homework to do. Uh, and I hope that you've had a chance to, to work on that. I hope that you uh, continue to work on that because we're all a work in progress. And today we're going to talk about something else in which we're a work in progress. We're going to talk about the reset of forgiveness. And the scripture we're going to use is one of my favorite Old Testament stories. We're going to read a portion of that story. It's a big, long story. But we're going to read a portion of that from Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and then verses 12 through 28. And you can follow along with me, or you could just listen. Uh, Genesis 37, 1 through 4, and then 12 through 28. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock of his brothers, he was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report 
of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he had made for him a long robe with sleeves, the one that we know as the coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And then down in verse 12. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel, or Jacob, said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, They've gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan, all the way down in South Alabama. Just to see if you're listening this morning. Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers, and they found him at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him to the pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with the sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him in a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay hands on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever seen that big old billboard that's right by those two lakes, that, the ones that have the, the little water wheels. On your way back from the beach, if you're coming up I-65, there's a big sign there, and I've got a picture of it that Pastor Vicki Mann made several years ago. It's, it's got um, a, a red um, horned, pointy-tailed devil, and uh, he's holding one of those scythes, like the Grim Reaper says, and, and the big sign says, uh, go to church or the devil will get you. 
Anybody ever seen that? You can't hardly miss it. If you're coming back from the beach on I-65, if you've seen that, uh, say that you've seen it in the comments so I'll know I'm not the only one that looks at that thing every time I go by. Um, or have you been recently to the corner? If you're going by, coming on Megan, or you, if you're coming on George Wallace, at the corner of Megan and George Wallace, there's this guy that stands there, and he's got these signs, that, and they're like almost like cue cards or something that you would see on television. And they have uh, various messages on there, like um, repent, uh, or um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are, are, you know, whatever his signs are, he stands there and he flips them and he holds them as you're standing there waiting to turn in traffic at the red light. Sometimes he's down on Highway 77 in Rainbow at the corner there, standing out, holding up his signs to everybody that passes by. It's almost like we want you to know if you come to Alabama, we want you to have no doubt in your mind that you are a great big sinner. And you are. And I am. And, and we all are, basically. But that's not the end of the story. That's not even the best part of the story. That's not what we emphasize, and that's not what we, what we focus on in our most important uh, creeds, in our most important part of the story. Uh, when we say the Apostles' Creed together, our, our most historic, important creed together, we, we don't confess together and we haven't over the ages we don't emphasize the fact that we are sinners we emphasize this we say we believe that's what creed means it means we believe we believe in Jesus Christ we believe that he was crucified dead and buried the third day he rose again we go on to say we believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church which just means the church around the world all who follow Jesus all around the world and here's what we say. We believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. We believe in forgiveness. That's what we confess. Because we know, most of us know, there are some people who, who don't know this. But most of us know at some level that we are sinners and that we need forgiveness. But our creed doesn't emphasize that. We don't emphasize the fact that we are great big sinners, even though we are. We emphasize our great, great Savior and the fact that we have forgiveness of sins. The fact that we are deeply loved and completely forgiven. I want you to hear that today. You are deeply loved and forgiven to the uttermost because it's not just that we're sinners, it's that there's a cure for sin, and it's called the reset of forgiveness. Man, that is the best good news. That is the best good news you'll ever hear. But it's only good news, forgiveness is only good news if you need forgiveness. So let's just start there. Who needs forgiveness anyway? Well, the, the scripture that I mentioned earlier when I was talking about the dude that stands on the side of the road, that still applies here, right? For all have sinned, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, who, who has sinned? All. Who falls short of the glory of God? All. Uh, and what does all mean? All means all. But what does it mean to say that? What does it mean to say that we're sinners? Um, 
That's important to know. The word for sin in the Bible that's used most often in the New Testament is actually an archery term. Did you know that? It's, it's an archery term. If you can imagine um, that you are shooting a bow and an arrow, and you have a target out there, and you're shooting the arrow, but you shoot, and your arrow falls short and misses the target, that is the mental picture of what sin looks like. And you say, well, why is that such a good image for sin? And why does the New Testament talk about that uh, for sin? It's a great image because of the foundational truth that's laid there. One foundational truth is that it emphasizes that there is a target. Okay? Uh, God does have a glorious purpose for your life and for my life. Um, and that glorious mark that God wants us to hit is the, to be the best us that he intended us to be. We do have a mark. God does have a will for us. And we sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally fall short of that mark. And when we do, it's called sin. Now, we could take some time this morning, if we wanted to, to list our individual sins. Okay? You go first. Just put them right out there on Facebook, and I'll come. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but we could turn to the Ten Commandments, couldn't we? We could turn to the Ten Commandments, and we could say, look, it's, it's, it's a sin to have other gods before God. It's a sin to, to make idols. It's a sin to, to take God's name in vain. It's a sin to not keep the Sabbath holy. It's a sin. It's a sin not to honor your parents. It's a sin to murder people. It's a sin to steal other people's possessions. It's a sin to covet your neighbor's possessions. It's a sin to lie to bear false witness all of these are examples of falling short of God's glorious mark there are many other things that we could say many other things that we could name many other ways that we fall short by by thought and by word and by deed by what we've done and by what we've left undone that's the way it says in the old communion lit liturgy that we have sinned by thought, word, and deed, by what we've done, and by what we've left undone. Even by what we've left undone? Yeah, even by what we've left undone. James 4, 17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, to them it's a sin. So anyway you slice it, we fail to live up to God's best for us. And everyone needs forgiveness. So that's how it's good news for us. So we need to receive the reset of forgiveness. We do. We do. God has offered it. We need to receive it. And we need to believe that God actually forgives us. That God utterly loves us and completely forgives us. And when we embrace that, then we can move on to this next thing. We need to not just receive forgiveness, but to give it. That's the way the reset of forgiveness works. We receive it and we give it. Um, 
So who do we need to forgive? Sometimes we need to forgive God. Now, before you think I've lost my mind and before you think I'm a heretic or something like that, let me tell you what I mean. I don't mean that God has sinned, and I don't mean that God asks us or needs us to forgive God. What I mean is sometimes we just get mad at God. We get angry with God, and we hold a grudge. One of my favorite movies uh, is Independence Day. Have any of y'all seen that Independence Day made 20-something years ago? If you've seen the movie, uh, comment in the comments on Facebook Live. So in that movie, it's a sci-fi movie, it's kind of cheesy. In that movie, it's got Will Smith and Bill Pullman and, and Jeff Goldblum and Judge Hirsch, you know, the old guy that was in Taxi years ago, and a bunch of others. Um, but the plot of the movie is basically that this huge mothership, spaceship, is orbiting Earth, and this mothership sends out smaller flying saucers that take over major cities around the world. Uh, Bill Pullman plays the president, and then Jeff Goldblum play, plays this scientist who has figured out somehow that there is a countdown clock for this huge attack uh, that's going to just destroy the whole earth and the aliens are going to take over. And he's got to go and he's got to convince the president and he's got to convince the military and all of these people that this is really going to happen. And in the middle of all this, Jeff Goldblum and Judd Hirsch, who plays his dad, they get thrown together. There has... There's some tension there because Jeff Goldblum works all the time. He hasn't taken care of his father like he should. And, and so there's some tension there. And um, Judd Hirsch, the dad, is kind of the stereotypical Jewish dad on TV. And he, he doesn't know what to do. And at one point, Jeff Goldblum says, Dad, why don't you just pray? Because he knows that his dad has always been a man of faith. And Judd Hirsch stops and he looks at his son and he says this, I haven't spoken with God since your mother died. I haven't spoken with God since your mother died. Can you feel that? Can you feel that? He's angry at God. He's angry at God. Maybe you're there. Maybe you have have felt that way, so mad at God that you've quit speaking to him. So mad at God that you're just kind of like, you know, just turning your back. It's just because usually it's when something bad happens some, and you just want to go, why, God? Why did you let this awful thing happen to me? Why did you let this awful thing happen to somebody that I love? Why didn't you answer my prayer, God? You didn't answer it the way I wanted you to answer it. So I'm going to be mad. I'm going to pout for a while. So some of you may be feeling that way. Listen, there are questions that we have. And there are questions that we will always have. But at the end of the day, it all comes down that we've got to trust that God does love us. That God does love us and that God always will. And sooner or later, we've got to quit giving God the cold shoulder. That's what I mean when I say we got to forgive God. Now, next, we've got to forgive ourselves. We have got to forgive 
ourselves. You know that, don't you? You know that, but it's hard. It's hard we, because we, we blow it, and we know that. We blow it with God. We blow it with each other. We, we say things that we just wish we could take back and do things we wish we could undo. And then we are so hard on ourselves. We don't forgive ourselves sometimes. There's a comic strip that's syndicated in some of the newspapers. It's called For Better or Worse. I don't know if you read the funny pages. But in one of this comic strips, for better or for worse, there's, there's a teenage son named Michael. And he's got a little sister named Lizzie, and they're fighting one day. And Michael tells Lizzie to get out of his room. She doesn't want to get out of his room. And he pushes her out of his room, and he says, get out of my room and stay out. And he slams the door. Now, if you, do any of y'all have kids? You know what I'm talking about? This is, this is the mood sometimes. Slams the door, except when he slams the door, Lizzie's finger gets caught in the door, and she gets hurt. And then the next frame has Michael and Lizzie and Mom going to the emergency room, and they x-ray the finger. The finger's broken, and they set it, put a splint on there. And then riding back home, clearly Lizzie's hurting, and clearly Michael... Her big brother is hurting, and he looks at her, and he says, I'm sorry, Lizzie. And she says, it's okay. My finger won't hurt forever. And then you can see the little thought bubble in Michael's head, and it says, your finger won't hurt forever, but my memory will. My memory will. So let me ask you, is your memory still hurting today? Is your memory hurting over something you did, something that you said? Are you kind of stuck in that place where you can't really forgive yourself? I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I just can't forgive myself for what I did. And then maybe I'll ask, well, do you believe God has forgiven you? And usually they'll say yes. And I'll say, so God is a lot wiser than you, right? They'll say yes, and then I'll say, and really God is the only one who's in a position to judge you or any of us, right? And they'll say yes, and then I'll say, well, then if the only wise judge has forgiven you, what makes you think that you shouldn't forgive yourself? It just doesn't make sense, because when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Y'all remember that part of the Lord's Prayer, don't you? See, forgiveness of trespasses has to extend to ourselves. Just like love your neighbor as yourself implies that you have to love yourself, you can't really love your neighbor if you can't love yourself. And I don't believe you can really forgive somebody if you can't forgive yourself. That's the way it works. It's all connected there. So we've talked about, you know, forgiving, receiving that. It's sometimes hard for us to receive that forgiveness from God. It's sometimes hard for us to forgive God or forgive ourselves. And you might be thinking, I'm really going to need some help. And if you're thinking that, you're right on track because we do need help. It's not easy. It's easier for me to say all of this than it is for us to do it. 
And if you think you need help with what I've already said, you're really going to need help with this because we got to forgive others. We've got to forgive those who've hurt us. And you say, I know that. I mean, we all know that. I bet if I just took a poll, everybody would say, I know that. I know I've got to forgive others. But this little voice in our head says, but they hurt me so bad. They hurt me so bad. Let's go back to the scripture that I read earlier this morning. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, the story of Joseph and his brothers. Did you know that, that I don't know how many years ago, there was a famous Broadway show called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Did any of y'all see that? Let me know if you see it. Anybody, anybody in the praise band saw that? The music is great. Oh my gosh. Donnie Osmond was Joseph on Broadway for several years. I mean, this, if you ever have a chance to see it, it's, it's a wonderful musical. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But you know what's more amazing to me than Joseph's Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? What's more amazing to me is that Joseph forgave his brothers after all they did Joseph forgave his brothers Joseph's family ah don't get me started he had a really dysfunctional family I, I don't know how else to put it they were dysfunctional Jacob the dad of all these boys Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other brothers and he didn't try to hide it. As a matter of fact, he just kind of flaunted it. He, one of the ways he flaunted it was by making him this coat of many colors, this long, beautiful robe. Here you go, my son. Here's this long, beautiful coat of many colors. And to the other brothers, it's like, sorry, boys, no robe for you. Can you see how they would be? Do you have brothers and sisters? Can you see how they would be angry? Maybe we can relate to that just a little bit. And on top of that, jo Jacob, the dad, used to send Joseph out to check on his brothers and then come back and report to them. You ever have anybody tattle on you? You know how that feels? So that's what Joseph was. And Jacob put him in that position and he would go out and he would spy on them and there they were, working out in the hot fields with the flocks. And here comes Joseph in his beautiful coat. And then he runs back to daddy and tells them they're not doing a good job. Can you see how they resented him? I'm not saying what they did to Joseph was justified at all. But I certainly can understand their resentment. Can't you? So they let their hatred get the best of them. Um, and they ended up doing something terrible. Uh, they were taking care of the flocks. Here comes Joseph. Um, and they said, you know, let's just kill him and throw him into a pit. Let's, let's just kill him and throw him into the pit. And Reuben, one of the brothers, sees that, you know what, I'm mad at him too, but this is going a little bit too far. And he says, wait just a minute, let's don't kill him. Let's throw him in the pit, sure, but let's don't go that far. Let's, let's don't shed any blood. And later, Reuben was thinking, I'm going to come back and I'll help him get back to, to dad and it won't be that bad. But all the brothers ganged up on Joseph. 
They beat him up. They stripped off his coat of many colors. They threw him into a pit, an actual empty cistern. And they, you know what they did then? They sat down and they had lunch. I guess nothing works up an appetite like beating up your brother. So as they were eating lunch, along comes a caravan of Ishmaelite traders. And one of the brothers, Judah, says, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's, let's sell Joseph to the Ishmaelite traders instead of killing him. And then he says something I can't believe. He says, after all, he is our own flesh and blood. Oh, if you didn't roll your eyes when you read that part, I don't know. So they sell Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. They sell their brother into slavery. And the traders take him to Egypt. They sell him to the, uh, one of Pharaoh's officials, Potiphar. So they take Joseph's robe and they rip it all up and they dip it down in the blood of a goat that they had killed. And they go home and they tell Jacob that Joseph was eaten by a wild animal. So not only do they beat their brother, not only do they sell him into slavery, they tell their father, Jacob, that Joseph, his favorite son, was dead, knowing that it would crush Jacob, knowing that it would crush their father with grief. And speaking of crushes, meanwhile, back in Egypt, in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife gets a crush on Joseph, and she is not one to take no for an answer, so she comes on to Joseph, and Joseph refuses her advances, and that doesn't stop her. She keeps on insisting to the point that finally he just has to run away. And as he's running away, Potiphar's wife grabs his robe. And so he just runs out of his robe and runs out and leaves. And there she stands holding Joseph's robe. And she's angry and she's humiliated and she's embarrassed and she just can't have that. So she starts screaming for the guards and the guards come in and she holds up Joseph's robe and she says, Look what this Hebrew slave has tried to do. He has tried to attack me. And then Potiphar, of course, believes her. And so he has Joseph thrown into prison. And now we see Joseph. Just picture in your mind Joseph in a prison cell, in chains, betrayed by his brothers, falsely accused. How could anybody ever, ever expect him to forgive at the end of this story? How could anybody expect this story to end anyway except, I don't know, maybe revenge. Revenge of the brother. That's what we would want to do. But here's the spoiler alert. The story ends with Joseph not just forgiving his brothers, but really saving his whole family from starvation and moving them to the best spot around, the land of Goshen. And the whole family relationship gets reset because of forgiveness. 
You know what the key to all this is? You say, that sounds impossibly difficult. That, I mean, I, I, I read that. I see what Joseph did, but I don't know if I can do that. You know what the key is? In Genesis 39, 21, we read this scripture. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. While he was in prison, while he was hurting so badly, the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him steadfast love. You see that's what we've got to have. We need God. We need God's steadfast love. That's the only way. That's the only hope we have of resetting. Forgiveness. That's the only hope we have of reconciliation. Is with God's steadfast love. Uh, You might remember years ago. In South Africa, there was this terrible system, this unjust system in South Africa known as apartheid. And under this system, a handful of white people really ruled the country while the majority of of blacks in South Africa had no voice, no rights, no say-so in in their own country. And if they complained about it, uh, then they they were beaten and they were uh, sometimes killed and they were... Sometimes they just disappeared and their families never saw them again. Sometimes they were thrown in prison. One of the leaders in this time uh, was a man named Nelson Mandela. And he was outspoken about how cruel and unjust the system of apartheid was. And he was thrown into a South African prison for 27 years. For 27 years, unjustly imprisoned each and every day, knowing that he was missing out on what was going on in his life. He missed his mother's funeral while he was in prison. He missed the funeral of one of his sons while he was in prison. He missed out on everything. He could have been so resentful because of that. But while he was in prison, he did what... The Apostle Paul did when he was in prison. He wrote letters, and one of the things he wrote in prison was this. He said, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. That is so true, isn't it? Some of us have learned that the hard way, how poisonous resentment can be in our lives. Well, Nelson Mandela did live to see the day when he was released from prison. He did live to see the day that apartheid ended. And as a matter of fact, he rose to become the first black president of South Africa in 1994. So here he he goes from prison to being president, right? Now he is president. What do you think he did when he was president? I mean, just let your mind go, wow, you've been in prison for 27 years. You've had this, you've been beaten. You've had, you've seen your friends killed. Now you're the one in charge. What are you going to do? I mean, did, did he line up all the people that had done him wrong and have them shot before a firing squad? Did he take all of his enemies, all the people that had been cruel to him, and throw them into the same prison that he had been held in? Actually, no. In his first speech as, as president of South Africa, he established something that he called a reconciliation day. 
Reconciliation, he said in his speech, does not mean forgetting or trying to bury the pain of conflict, but working together to correct the legacy of past injustice. He forgave. How? How does somebody get to that place? What is it? How could Nelson Mandela get to that place where he goes from prison and he gets out and he forgives like that? I'll go back to something that I read to you earlier from Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. And I would say that the Lord was with Nelson Mandela and showed him steadfast love because he was able to forgive. He was able to forgive. And Joseph was able to forgive. And you and I, you and I have to forgive. Why? Well, because we want it to be well with our souls, don't we? One of my favorite old hymns goes like this. You know this hymn, but I want, I want to read this verse to you. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. That's the reset of forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord, we do want it to be well with our soul. We want there to be nothing between you and us. Nothing between you and us. So forgive us, Lord. And Lord, as odd as this sounds, help us to turn around and start speaking to you again, to quit pouting and forgive you. And help us, Lord, to forgive ourselves and to quit being so hard on ourselves. And help us, Lord. We need your help to not stew in resentment and bitterness, but to forgive those, Lord, who have trespassed against us. Knowing that reconciliation is the goal here. It won't happen overnight, but it's the goal we need a reset, Lord. So pour your steadfast love upon us even now. In Jesus' name, amen.
and now people of God deeply loved and forgiven to the uttermost go forth to live that out by loving God and others in Jesus name Amen Thank you.